Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about fixing those damaged alfalfa stands. In our spotlight, we'll look at some mosaic products, now known as enhanced efficiency fertilizers. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about the Roadless Initiative. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap it all up with our Ag Idiom of the Week. So with me today are Bill Schaumburg. Hey guys. Max Garvey. What's up everybody? Todd Schaumburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brucker, all with Tilth Agronomy. Well, we had our short summer period here in early March. It got up to 60 the last couple days. Now it seems we're trending down a little bit. Yeah, isn't March in like a lamb out like a lion? Opposite of that, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, usually, usually we had, we had we had fake spring, and now I we're we're back too. to second winter. I saw that too, Max. Yeah, yep. fake fool spring, fool spring. I think was yeah. the exact term. Fool spring, second, and then we go to second winter. Then we have second, second spring, and then third, <laughs> third winter, winter, and then we have. Third spring, summer for two days, then fall. <laughs> we're, we're a little early for April Fool's Day. <laughs> Get your shit together. Did you guys think, when I looked Mother at the nature. forecast, like, early March, it was supposed to be a lot warmer longer? Like, we were supposed to hit 60 for, like, three days. And yeah. it, I mean, it felt warm, don't get the, me wrong, but yeah, it wasn't Oh, like, we only hit two days of 60 uh, well, weather. But, and then, but it wasn't <laughs> that, mu- you know, it wasn't, like, this really long extended will, period of I will no, say like even, you can get even the March. fifty like on like Sunday was like the high was like fifty two right it felt warm yeah the like sun the was out was it felt yeah. warm in the good su- point in the sun it was warm good point everything else was kind of responding I mean we got warm rain yesterday it's, we've never had this perfect of like a snow melt either where it was just yeah. like what snow? ten days of snow melt yeah just yep. the nice slow melt I and saw then rain on it. This weekend, at, I was at a wrestling tournament, and there was a lot of lot of shorts and flip flops rolling around. <laughs> the they were, yeah, it it's got to be the last one of the season. Ah, uh, folk style. Yep, last one. So now what we go. folk style. That's mean? like high school. So like high school and college is folk style, and then the Olympics is freestyle and Greco. Oh yeah. So the Olympic okay. styles start like next week. So anyway, anyway, there was flip flops around. There's a lot of flip flops around actually. So yeah, I mean it was barely. Sweatshirt weather, yeah, yep. For pretty much since Friday, I th- but if you get the sun out and you get anywhere above forty, and the sun is out, I mean, you, and I think now we're getting to the point where the sun actually is doing something. You know, where the sun has heat units, it does. Yeah, whereas you know a month ago, yeah, the sun's out, but it just doesn't feel that good. Now it's actually you can soak up the you, sun. You can feel it warm in the concrete. That's the right. That's the nice thing. Yeah, that's how you know it's really working. Saturday night, we lose an hour. Spring ahead. Yep, spring forward. Woo-hoo. Sunday morning. True, Sunday morning. Yes. I just said it when I go to bed. Yeah, that's usually what I do, too, Saturday night before I go to bed. Although I have an alarm clock you actually have to change. Unlike I, I some still other do, too. Like your phone that, and your, yeah. yeah, like some people over there that uses this phone. I we, do use my phone. I do not have a re- Well, I, I own one, but I don't use it. It's too much work to reset that thing all the time. We have one wall clock and then like the microwave and stove that I've just said. Spring ahead's the worst where you lose that hour. Yeah. Oh, I hate that. Gaining an hour in the fall is but, so nice. But then but you do get that light in the evening, which is like... You get a lot more yeah, work. Your the day ben- seems the benefit, longer. That is yeah. better, yes. The benefit of losing that hour the night before is you get lighter longer. Yep. So, it's cool. So, we have another MVP. Yeah. 
Did you guys watch the All Star Game of basketball? Not one nope. second. Did anybody? I don't know. Nope. Didn't even know that. what was going on. <laughs> yeah. But Giannis got the MVP of the All Star Game since nobody plays defense. <laughs> so he is didn't that miss like a shot. The really bright colored participation ribbon. <laughs> yeah, it pretty much probably is. He also doesn't it's, have like a low gear. He only runs like. No, that, that is pretty cool play, about like, him. Is he actually did play hard in the All Star game? And he said that when he like the first All Star game, and they're like, Giannis, why why did you play so hard? He goes, I. I only know one way. Like I can't, I can't coast. So, kind of like how Blake Griffin used to be. They'd all complain that he, oh, he's actually playing hard. What the heck? <laughs> yep. Why do they have those games if they just like nobody wants to be there? Obviously, it's a money grab, right? Especially this year, none of those players none want to do it, and they they basically forced them to. So it was a money grab. Like I like the dunk contest. Oh, they said the dunk contest this year was terrible. They had three participants, never heard of any of them. Yeah. And it was like during halftime. Yeah. So I'm saying most years oh, I do. Right. I like watching the well, dunk contest. And really, why not cool. just do, why not get your good players to do the dunk that's contest? What I, that's the part about that I don't like. Like Giannis doesn't do a dunk contest. LeBron doesn't do the dunk contest. Never so. has. Just get all the mascots to do the dunk contest. Dwight <laughs> Howard. When Dwight Howard used <laughs> yeah. to do the dunk contest, that was like the big name that was in it. Yeah. Actually, the mascot, like, I don't know if we were at a Bucks game or a Badger game, but they had the like mascots the- do, like, a game, like, just different, all different kinds. It wasn't just NBA. It was, like, I don't know, McDonald's mascots. Like, I think around the McDonald's. McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. With the big shoes. And he was, and like, draining threes. It was great. <laughs> they should do that. Yeah, because the, they have that, like, traveling thing with the Bucks, where the Bucks mascot, like, goes around with a hoop. Yeah. Like, he's got the... The trampoline or whatever. Yeah. But. No, Bango is pretty impressive what he can throw down with a trampoline. What, but. Okay, so what's your, what's your favorite halftime show you've ever seen? I know what it should, should all be. I, sh- I know all of your answers, what it should be, but go ahead. It's the, it's the tricycle lady. It's the, the red, panda. Yes, red panda. It's red panda. <laughs> yep. How is it anything else? She's it, on a unicycle throwing bowls on her head with her foot. <laughs> she catches six at one time. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling. Although I did see a thirty for thirty where they talked about when she had a bad had a bad, bad night, she dropped Ooh. some. That was made me tear up a little bit. It was very sad. These <laughs> <laughs> are just glass all over, and oh, they're plastic. Oh, bowls. Yeah, I don't think they're yeah. glass bowls. Lame. <laughs> Bill at Badger hockey. Did you ever see when they bring the little kids out yeah. to play hockey? Yeah. That's yep. pretty sweet. Yeah, There's something about like when that. they do the pee wee football at the Packer games. Yeah, yeah. To see a five year old checking another five year old. Yeah, throwing down gloves, starting to pull jerseys over heads. <laughs> yeah, they really, yell, like, the really goal, makes you feel the two goalies. They're going. Yeah, at they're it. yelling flying V and knuckle puck. <laughs> hey, they're they're bringing it's the back. Puck time, bringing back Mighty Ducks. Yep, they're they? Disney Plus. I just saw an advertisement for it. A new one, or are they bringing back the old one? So this time the Ducks, like the the established Ducks, are the bad team. Like they're the, Ooh. and so they went they, rogue. So now there's like a new startup team. And instead of the old guy with the skate shop, it's Bombay is going to be like the mentor guy. So they show him on a Zamboni okay. doing, doing ice in like a little skating rink. So well, it can't, it can't be Hans because Hans dies in one of the earlier diplomatic community. <laughs> That's no, my not... favorite Hans moment from <laughs> is it Lethal Weapon Two? Because <laughs> then Mel, is it Mel Gibson or Danny Glover shoots him? I'm like, hey, that's Hans from Mighty Ducks. <laughs> She's got shot in the face. <laughs> oh, it takes me back. Anyway, let's let's do this. Let's max, all right. Let's talk interceding alfalfa fields. Interceding alfalfa fields. We're okay. not. We're not, well, hold up. 
We'll do show. We, yeah. Are we getting ahead of ourselves a little bit? Like we're just talking about this potentially needing to happen, right? We're yes, not saying no, I have I actually we, we are not saying any that there's any winter kill. Actually, what we just said is so far it's been a good spring for alfalfa. Potentially we had a dry fall. No the alfalfa went to bed okay. However, if you have like a fourth year stand that got roughed up, you know, in this, previous winters. This just seemed like a this might pertain to it hopefully flowed, it flowed well together with I, our last couple Agreed, man. Was our agree alternative with and spring is not over yet. So <laughs> Correct. Most winter kill happens in March. So with our with our but, alternative forages and then last week we talked very specifically about interseeding. Um not not necessarily well, nurse crops. And, nurse, yeah. oh, sorry, nurse crops and things like that. Yeah. This is this is goes along yep. the same vein. So I thought we'd throw this in here. And it is something that normally Normally, this time of year, we do start talking about, so. Always good to have a plan. Yes. So just, just throwing it out there, just in case anyone has thought about this. Here's our thoughts. So, here, so here's where we, where we talk about interceding most commonly, is when we have those older stands where they're getting really low in, in plant counts. You know, I'd, under three crowns per, crowns per square foot, I start getting, they start yep. really dropping off in their, their potential to yield. Um, big wet areas, if we can fill those in, uh, damage stands. So last, you know, fourth crop last year, we ran a lot of stuff down and we killed strips in a field. Can we if, go? Pa- if, if, what, what do you mean? Two years ago we did that. It, I don't know yeah, how much ago, last, last year, year we did. I, I mean like in general <laughs> speaking. Okay. Yeah. Two years ago was, this is, this was a huge problem. <laughs> Max thought this was a good topic and we're just railing, uh, we're just so, railing on them. So anyway, it is get, a good topic. Get it Max. together, so, Max. <laughs> So, okay, so I'll speak in when I'm speaking, everything's from two years ago, not from last <laughs> yes, year. Good. So, if two years ago, we like we had, you know, where we had these strips. Well, you can't leave those strips unproductive. You want to fill those in with something. So, you got to come up with, with, a, with a way to fix it. Um, a lack of feed. So, hey, all our, our alfalfa stands are all still good enough to keep, but they're not going to be these bin buster yields. Can we go beef them up with something? Can we go fix them? And if it's a three year old hay, hay field, you can't put. Did you just say beef them up? Beef them up. Oh. I think that's Bill's egg idiom. Beef them up, right there. Nice beef up. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> yeah, beef them up. Good. And then uh, the other one is a, a change in dietary requirements. So I'm actually going through this with a girl right now, where they're they're switching from um, a milking operation over to a beef operation, and they don't want pure alfalfa. Um, or you're bringing heifers home. Or you're bringing yep, heifers. If home. you get a heifer feed, yep. Yep. That's so happening. so we're taking we're we're kind of we're gonna try and. Pull back on that rocket fuel a little bit, make that alfalfa a little bit less quality, bring down the quality a little bit, um, and and still be able to have these really good yields. So these are those are like the areas where I tend to see this decision be made. Where hey, we're going to go in and we're going to put something in our alfalfa field. What is it going to be? So uh, I think one of the first things we talk about is uh, how long do we want this interseeding to last? Is this like a yeah. one year? If we can get two crops off it, we're that that has to be the first question. We're because yep, if you're three or four years into your rotation, how much longer do you want? Are you going to nurse this along, or is this just we're going to get through this year and then? At what point is it too least of a yield? And this is the lack of feed argument right yeah. here. This is where these like, are the like lack of feed. A year ago and two years ago, I would have said you like have to decide. But now I almost feel if it's a second year stand or third year. You better plan on keeping it like mul- multiple yeah. years. So say it's third year this year, and they're like, ah, oh, we'll just patch it in for one year. It seems like at the end of that, you always want to keep it the fourth year. And so then you regret not 
planning a multi multiple year yep. rotation. But if it's a fourth year stand going into twenty twenty one, you're probably not going to pull it along for sure the following year. So then for sure it's like a one year deal usually. So anyway, just something to think about was like always err to the side of the multiple year yep. selection because if you pick the one year, you can't go back and be like, oh man, that worked good like let's keep it well we've talked about the other options for other forages that you could use where if you do end up in that situation oh we we wanted to keep this but we didn't do it well at least we've got there's still tools in the toolbox right. that you can use yeah. so so the i the first two in my list here are things that are like one year like just pound them in the ground quick and we'll see what happens is oats and sorghum okay normally we put oats in when we're establishing alfalfa but i think it does and definitely has a place here if we want to just beef an alfalfa stand especially if we have these big open areas it's cheap it's easy to get it in the ground like you can go in and patch and now you may have a pass of oats and a pass of alfalfa and they make it in the they make it in the um wagon together the good part oats is a really really good one with yield um a lot of times when you cut oats once the second time it doesn't quite come back as good that's one thing think and Oats really likes to be planted in March. Yeah, you know? and if you so going into a old hayfield, you're going to have that firmness to be able to get out there. And it's, it's, well, and the to me with oats, I think in. that's one that you might almost have to make the decision in the fall. Yes. and you're going to say, hey, we can't pull that hayfield yet because we're going to need the feed next year. But it's already we know it's already not good, right. so we're going to be proactive and we're going to be ready to seed it right away in the spring as soon as we get a chance. So that's kind of where you know oats differs a little bit, um, and then. Sorghum, I think that's a really good option after you take off a first crop and it's disappointing. Because um, don't really want to do that now. Yeah, no, a little sor- too soon. Sorghum's so- like the opposite; it likes the warm soil. Exactly. Yeah, you're it, dealing with a cool season versus warm. Season. So you're right. So in June is a better time to plant it. And and, and both of these, the reason that they really become a one year fix is because they both are going to need more than thirty days to be ready to harvest. Right. I mean, for for optimal optimal yield that sorghum you're going to want to let push that out to 60 days you know you're not going to be you're not going to just go okay we're going to keep our cutting schedule here because you're, you're not going to get you're not going to fix your problem the oats are the same way you're not just going to plant them and at 30 days cut you're going to have to one nice part about sorghum is you can spray dicamba on it up to 15 inches and if you got a lot of dandelions um it's not bad to. Now you're killing your alfalfa, right? Tom. You don't want to kill the alfalfa necessarily. I was but wondering where you're going with that. A, a lot of these stands, you know, say you're just switching to almost like a alfalfa first crop and out to corn silage. That scenario with sorghum, and that alfalfa usually is a good complement. But let's be real, a lot of these stands where the alfalfa is weak, they're just full of dandelions. I think so. That can be a good option. I think it'd be a really good option if you put sorghum in, take a cutting. And then, as it's greening back up, hit it with dicamba, and then let that sorghum yeah, well, come and through and do if you're a, going a late sorghum, sorghum. sorghum Sudan or straight up sorghum yeah. to yep. forage sorghum. It'd be different, yep, depending what you pick. And dandelion isn't really that bad to have in there. No, it's, sorghum can outcompete it pretty, pretty high well. High quality feed, Todd. Yeah, it's pretty. It seems like a you know, it's not like a thistle or something where you know no, you're going to have yeah. potential <laughs> feed issues. And sorghum does outcompete it pretty well, yeah. whereas alfalfa, it's already so weak, weakened that it. It just is gone usually in those spots. Do we think differently if a hay field is like you just got big wet spots versus like the field is just thin? Do we change our mind at all on what we want to seed into that depending on if it's 
you know, what the field looks like. So what spots you're probably not going to be able to fill in with Sorghum Sedan. That's probably no, not right, probably right. not your best option. But if as we move down the list here, uh, Red Clover, that's yeah. a really nice, really nice wet ground option. Yeah, grass, any kind of gra- grass. And grass. Uh, I've been a big fan of the last couple of years of Aversa grass. That thing seems to be a tank in wet scenarios. Like, it's been phenomenal. Like, it does its it's job. It's got a snorkel. Yeah, it, it comes snorkel attached to every bag. <laughs> it's fan, You know, so... That's a good option. I put on here Italian rye with a question mark because I have it in the one year, but I keep seeing Italian rye being planted, and for some reason it's still there the next year. The, the and problem, I keep being told it's not going to come back, and here it, here it is. The problem with Italian rye is it's probably like 50% makes it through to the next year, so it's good enough to maybe keep, but usually not. I... And so if you I, get I, it in early enough, you're not going to see it right away, but you're going to see a it, good second and third cutting. Oh, right. right. I, but I'm saying the following year, right. It, right. It, it can overwinter, but it doesn't always. So, so it's so really, I, like I put, you say, that's a good way the, to put it. in the it. one year and with a, with a flex to the second year. You may be able to get a decent first crop the next year, and then you, you, know, you might be done. But either way, you know, it's, a, it's a here and there. And I put red clover in the one year, too. We don't see red clover a lot of times... We it don't, that, it, that's it, another one you'd want to get in early. Yep, it, if you really want to see anything out of it, it has multi-year potential, but it's yeah. it's not often. Normally, that's a you know we we put it in and it's pretty much red clover. I would say it would be yeah more likely to overwinter probably than Italian rye consistently. Correct. Yep. And then our our multi-year our multi-year um, mixture. So fe, fe, I'm going to say this wrong. Festolium. 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 Okay, that one that's that's a nice grass. It's uh, it's a little bit longer establishing. Um, that's going to overwinter nicely, uh, and then your old standbys, your fescues, bromes, and Timothy. Everybody loves them, right? Grandpa grew them in 1903. That's all he fed to cows. So yep. you, know, you know those are those are going to do the job if you need them to. And then um, all there's, I mean, how many different kinds of clover can we try and mix in there and use? And yeah, but you just got to be careful. Not all clovers will overwinter. Yes. So make sure you're using an overwintering variety of clover. Yep. So there's your there's there's your big options. Any other ones that you guys really like right now, other than going to corn corn silage after first crop? Well, and that's you just got to make that call as to, you know, do you feel like you can get more forage? Like, do you need haylage? Do you need corn? And can you get more tons off of just plowing it up? I that that call is made at that point when you just this is not worth saving. And, I, I had a farmer say it to me once, and, and what he said was, I'd rather grow one whole-ass crop than two half-ass ones. <laughs> and he, basically, he was saying, he's like, I'd rather stick a little bit more into my hay stand and make it go or rip it up now. But I, what I will not do is take first crop and then try and go corn silage because then I don't like either of my options. Right. And I, that's not 100% true, but I, I guess I do tend to lean that way a little bit more um, in the same boat. Pick one well, and, and go with it. And to Bill's earlier point, when you're if you're dealing with wet spots, you're probably going to treat those a little bit differently. You know, maybe go for a mix or of a few different species to fill that in. Yep. Versus, you know, a thin stand. You don't necessarily maybe you don't want to mix because then you're going to start choking out the alfalfa and you might kind of well, no. like last week talking about weed versus crop. You might start smothering out things you don't want to. A lot of times when you walk a field and then you make the call to like fix the strips or just fix certain parts of the field. By the time the person that's seeding gets out in the field, it's like, I did three quarters of it. Why don't I just finish it? But so, just do the whole thing. Yeah, a lot of times when you're trying to just fix spots, you end up doing the whole thing anyway. So maybe it's easier to 
just think of it that way. Like, are we going to keep it all or not? Because this fixing thing just makes more headaches and more problems. Max, here's your Ron Swanson quote. Oh, it's not my Ron Swanson quote. Yeah, your quote is from Ron Swanson. Oh, well, I heard it before Ron Swanson existed. <laughs> sure you did, Max. From um, oh, guy, guy just a guy just up the road, actually. Not not too far I from here. Never half-ass two things. Whole-ass one thing. There you go. That's the quote. So um, I guess our next consideration, and this went with all our emergency forages, is what what is our goal as far as feed right i mean dairy cows we generally you know gotta gotta stick to a pretty tight ration but heifers and steers there's a lot of room for variability in their rations usually so um that can open up your options um that's where i like your sorghum idea and todd's when todd was talking about killing the hay and planting sorghum is if you got heifers to feed feed, and you got enough haylage for your cows but you need heifer feed that's an option you take that first crop and then boom now you're ready for your sorghum you're, 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 you fill bags pretty quick on a good sorghum sedan crop. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty impressive stuff um, if you can feed it. Now, if you can't feed it, it doesn't really do you any good. But if you can feed it, it's, it, uh, it makes feed quick. Well, depending on what you, how much feed you need and how much it's going to heifers, you can always leave that thinner stand, stick something into it, and then let it go longer, try yep. to gain tonnage, and treat that field kind of separately from the rest of your hay, hay stands. And then our last big consideration is how are we going to get this interseeding done? So um, the frost seeding over the years has become, you know, a big a big thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I'd say the jury's still out on how much we love that. Frost seeding's hard because by the time you make this decision, yeah, it's usually, usually not much frost. frost yeah. Exactly. Like you can't decide in the window of frost seeding if you decide on. What you're going to do with the stand, usually you're, you're a little early to decide that. So You pretty much got to map it out in the fall. I, yeah, then, like you said yeah. before, Max. Some of these you probably could, and some you might know. If you got any, say, fourth-year stands that got beat up the last couple of years, you kind of know they're roughed up, you, and you, you could frost seed You get in these situations those. where you know, hey, this hay field is not next year. Like, there's just no way it's going to perform, but I can't give it up yet either. You know, we uh, I lost this other 40 acres of hay because, you know, rent got jacked up and I can't have it. So I got to keep this one. Like, I don't, ha- I don't have a choice. Um, that's where, you know, you, like you say, you're proactive. In October, you're ready for next March. You're going you're gonna to be ready and you're going to be able to make a good crop. Um, and then that no-till drill after we take off, um, after we take off our first crop and realize how bad it is, is that, you know, that's usually, that's normally the way this works is, we don't think it's that bad or, you know, we don't want to do anything. And then we take first crop and we go, hmm, that didn't go very well. So what are we going to do now to fix it? And then I, I, we can, we can broadcast. Um, maybe when we, when we broadcast on our fertilizer, can we throw some seed down with that? And that, that's something too, where if you do get a window earlier, when you know you're going to have that moisture there, because broadcast, you want to have X. Ex- Make sure you're going to have moisture. Before I think that's you a good one for those wet areas mm-hmm. where guys have taken, you know, say your little plot seeding your four wheeler with a spinner on the back that you yep. see deer plots with or something like that, and just chuck some grass in that way. Um, I've done it with like a little hand spreader, you know, but the timing's got to be right. And like you say, Matt, it can work though. Yep. Um, but to, it's not as successful as obviously planting it in the ground, but if you do it at the right time and yeah. get the right weather after. Do we gotta, seed to soil is always your, your best bet. Bro. Add seeding rate then if we're broadcasting it, you think? 
Yeah, Max yeah. is Max is given the upside. To the roof. To the roof. To the roof. And I think you got to watch what seed you do that with. You know, some of them will do a little bit better and some aren't quite as good at, at that, but... Your hard, your hard seed versus your soft seed. Your hard it's, seeds tend to do a little bit better. That's the way I. That's so, kind of where I draw the line, but it's not. That's not a hard and fast rule either. Yeah, yeah. It all depends how how much of the field you're really trying to capture. Right. Can I add one thing, Max? You don't have on the list. Absolutely. How about tile? A tiled field. Like, does that? The reason I go there is Max. Last year, you're gonna seed through the tile. Yeah, no, no. we're gonna put it on the tile end, and then we're gonna just hook up a high pressure hose yeah, and shoot it all back uh, out. Take a poor alfalfa stand that has tile and a poor alfalfa stand that doesn't have tile. I had personal experience last year near Max's homeland. Oh, I know exactly no. what field he's talking about. <laughs> it was the field that was tiled. We didn't have great. It wasn't a great stand. It was maybe like you said, Max, three plants per square foot, but the the plants were huge. The the roots were hard. I mean, they were great plants. They were healthy. The the soil was this firm. This is in the tiled field. In correct? the tiled field, yeah. Soil was firm. Plants were healthy. A lot of stems. Didn't have a lot of plants, but we had healthy plants and a lot of stems. And then you, we literally went what? Not even a half mile down the road. No tile. No nothing. And the plants were mushy. The soil was soft. You sank in when you walked. I mean, I think. There it was clear that the tile was able to help us keep that stand another year. You can go in and, and that's a good point. It's that not a little bit. just about plant count, it's about the health right. of the plants that are yeah, there we, as well. We do these plant counts and yeah. they matter, but you have to use some judgment a little bit and be like, Okay, this this is gonna be all right and we're on a three three plants per square foot, like you're saying, two different two different fields, three plants per square foot is a completely a world different world. world. We, yep. we could have drove the pickup truck over that tiled field and got stuck in the field that wasn't tiled. I mean, it just, obviously it's, it's soil physics, right? You get the water away and it, I I know I got to do some last year and this goes along. This is the same thought here. It was okay. We had, you know, two and a half plants per square foot of alfalfa, but we had a ton of grass that was coming back from the year before that was interceded. So do we, okay, two and a half plants per square foot is not, we're, we're pulling the trigger there and pulling that out. But with the grass, you know, we sustained and had a pretty good year last year. Yeah. So well, Todd knows hopefully what I'm talking about when I get into this. But and Bill, yes, this specifically is about you. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. you get a field where you might two, three years in a row say, yeah, it's maybe the year to pull it out, and then it keeps out yielding right. other fields, yeah, so yes. the the farmer won't <laughs> pull it out. I I do know what Matt's <laughs> talking about, and it almost goes back to stem counts is what matters, right. not more the than plant plants, counts. Yep. And we can't do stem counts until, you know, June when you're already deciding. So you look at the health of that plant, but Matt is 100% right, is I've had fields where they look, you know, terrible, and then they come and just get way better on you. And I've had it go the opposite way, too, where you're like, man, this is a really good one, and then it, it just doesn't put out the stems it needs to. I guess my point was tile could help you extend that alfalfa field a little bit longer and make it worth your while to add to that poor stand, even though... You know, maybe you have two or three plants per square foot. You got 15 stems on each plant because they're so massive. Soil conditions are important. Right. All right. So there you go. There's some options for patching in those hay fields. Make sure you've got a plan and have an idea of what kind of production you need. Is it just a year? We're just patch it in for now. Or are you going to try to get multiple years out of it?
So let's move into our spotlight for today. So Mosaic Company has announced that two of its products, Micro Essentials and Sustera Fertilizer, are now labeled as Enhanced Efficiency Fertilizers, or EEF, as defined by the Association of American Plant Food Control Officials. AFPCA. <laughs> That's almost as bad as a WAPAC. It, it is, it's kind of a mouthful. And it's a lot, of, a lot of letters that don't really work together. EEF works better. EF. Eef. Eef. <laughs> what do you think of that fertilizer? Eef. Eef. You guys spreading that eef on there? <laughs> yeah, so it I mean to be qualified as a EEF, you must either re, you must reduce nutrient losses to the environment while increasing nutrient availability to the plant or crop. So yep, so EEF standards are met by microessentials because it is a slow release fertilizer offering 50% of the total sulfur is elemental sulfur. And Sustair is also slow-release nitrogen, which helps it qualify for the EEF designation. So we're, we're, we've done CSP contracts, right, all of us, that mm-hmm. include ESN and all that. So it looks as if these EEFs now will meet those standards as well. Yeah, they so will qualify for the Conservation Stewardship Program CSP or the EQIP. I still um, want to call it security. Yeah, conservation. What do you want to call it? <laughs> when it first came out as CSP, it was Conservation Security Program, and then they changed it. So were there like stewardship NRCS agents standing at the edge of the field protecting your conservation? It was, and it was a ten-year <laughs> contract, and it was like front-loaded, and then basically by the time you got to year ten, you were getting ten bucks. So now they changed, I think, five-year increments. Anyway, so there you go. If you're looking for a slow-release product to use. Maybe one of those would fit the bill. Now we'll go into our Ag History Minute. Gotta love the banjo. The roadless initiative is what we're talking about today. So in part to recognize the importance of roadless areas for many purposes, and also because making project decisions involving roadless areas in a forest-by-forest basis was part of a normal planning process, led to some controversy and litigation that consumed considerable time and money during the Clinton administration. They established a new national-level approach to management of roadless areas in the national forest system. Final rule was published on January 12, 2001, to be effective March 13th of that same year, that prohibited road construction and reconstruction in 58.5 million acres of inventory forest roadless areas, with significant exceptions. Most timber harvests in the roadless areas were prohibited, but some timber cutting would have been allowed for certain specified purposes, including improving habitat for threatened, endangered, proposed, or sensitive species, or maintaining or restoring ecosystem composition structure, uh, such as reducing the risk of uncharacteristic wildfire effects. Hmm, maybe California needs some of that. Inventoried roadless areas constitute roughly one-third of all national forest system lands, Although the inventoried roadless areas comprise only 2% of the land base in continental United States, they are found within 661 of the over 2,000 major watersheds in the nation and provide many social and economic, or ecological, sorry, benefits. Nature. I'm a big, I'm a big nature guy. <laughs> so I like some of these stuff, some of these egg history minutes that are like nature centric. I do like those. I think they're interesting. 
So there you go. Good. If you like what you're hearing, please go to neicc.org. There you can find a independent crop consultant in your area. We appreciate all your all our listeners out there. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for subscribing. Please tell a farmer friend about our podcast. And he's going to be like, well, what's a podcast? And you're going to say, it's just like radio for your phone. Do you like listening to sports radio or uh, what other radio are, are RFD farmers? radio. Yeah. You, you mean it's not when what? you take a pea pod and use it for bait on a fishing hook? <laughs> it's not a podcast. <laughs> a har har. Matt, how can they follow us? Uh, I, I got nothing for that, Matt. That was a good one. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. Now let's do our cool beans. That's corny for this week. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans for this week. FBN launches an animal health and nutrition program. So FBN being Farmers Business Network now has added animal health and nutrition platform to its portfolio of services and products and announced it has acquired the Prairie Livestock Supply business to provide more choice for independent livestock producers and more competition for their business. So now... I think from our standpoint, more competition is always good, right? Yeah, yeah. We 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 need to get prices good to you know good to farms, and we see co-ops you know merging. We see all that stuff, you know, kind of getting less and less options. So more options is good. Yep. So this is delving into more of the animal health side of things, as well as nutrition. And looks like prairie livestock included prairie livestock supply and pro pig and pro cattle, which is a feed and nutrition service provider. So if you're already using FBN, there's now more options for you. Now moving into our That's Corny, the African swine fever outbreak in China shows it isn't under control. So they are having some issues again with African swine fever in China. Looks like... uh, Started in 2018, and now 2021 will continue to be a year of rebuilding the herd, but as more ASF cases continue to pop up, outbreaks may be worse than originally reported. Let me know where you've heard this before. Showing outbreaks may be worse than originally reported. (laughs) (laughs) And China? In China. (laughs) Hmm. I don't want to point any fingers here, guys, but I'm just saying, starting to see a trend. (laughs) Starting. Long time trend. So, so we, uh, on the bright side, we all have we have already been through the H one N one swine flu, so we we got that going for us. Yeah, hopefully, it shouldn't uh, cause any new issues outside of China. It does say it. there is still no approved vaccine for that virus, so that too, it, it, yeah, if they can't get that under control, and that is a lot to do for both. You know, just could affect us greatly as far as soybean price could start to fall if they don't take as much as our soybeans to feed their pigs. And then obviously our, our swine price or hog price is going to go up. So yeah, just maybe they'll buy more beef because they want enough pigs. Yeah. (laughs) Who knows what it'll change, but yeah, just that, that that's been going on since 2018. Um, this sort of, yeah, it's It could be, could be bad if they don't get that under control. Yeah. Long lasting effects. All right, Max, Egg Idiom of the Week, what do you got for us? Our Egg Idiom of the Week. I came up with this one because I just used it. It's, uh, the Egg Idiom is the hay is in the barn. 
So we're making them up now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it really, what it really means is like the hay. You've you've done all the work to make the hay. Now you just got to feed the cattle, right? That's the that's the real old meaning. All, all the hard work is up in that barn. The hard work is done, man. Now you now you get the easy stuff. You just got to throw a bale here and there, right? Not too bad. Not two thousand in one day. Not two thousand in one day. Just like five a day, you know, nothing crazy. But I say I said this uh, on Saturday at a recitative. I said, "Hey, you guys put in all the work. We've been to practice for three months. The hay's in the barn. Let her rip now, you know." So there you go. A Gideon in my everyday life. What's a barn, Mister Matt? <laughs> What's hay? No, I teach at a pretty rural school. Most of them got that figured out. What kind of hay are you making? <laughs> We make them big bales. Is it, can't is, it, it true. is it hemp hay that you're making? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's not. All right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. Thanks, Matt. So this week we talked about patching up those alfalfa fields. Spotlight was two of Mosaic's products being enhanced efficiency fertilizers. The Roadless Initiative was our Ag History Minute. Cool Beans, FBN is getting into the animal health and nutrition programming. That's corny African swine fever still causing problems in China. So hopefully the hay is all in the barn, and you can now reap the benefits. Thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming.